Well, since there's no Sunday school today, or tweenies, or crash, I thought we should better do a kids' talk. And it's obviously we haven't been able to do it because of the COVID cases that we have, and we've just been careful because grown-ups do worry. I don't know if you worry as young people. Maybe it, maybe you don't worry that much about anything, but grown-ups certainly do. And maybe it's true to say that as you grow older, your worries grow with you. And the number of your worries grow as you do. But I want us to remember what happened when COVID came at first. What was it that we were drawing and putting in our windows? It was one of these things. A rainbow. And hopefully, maybe they're still in your windows. But if you've taken it down, maybe it's time to draw another one and stick it back up in your window again. And it was meant to be a hope of better days to come. But we know as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ and the believers of God that the rainbow was a promise made to Noah. That he would never destroy the world with water but it was also a promise that he would remember Noah. And we were drawing these things. But do you know what? A rainbow is actually a full circle. When you look up, I was looking on the internet, and it tells that a rainbow is is a full circle. And you know what? We only see half of it. We'll probably never see a full circle. I'm told that you have to be up in a plane quite high up. And there's all different things that need to happen in order for you to see the full circle. But many of us will probably never see it. And we only see half of the rainbow. So when we are worried and we see the rainbow... We need to remember that God remembers us. And remember that it was a promise that he made to Noah that he would remember him. God remembers us. But maybe we don't understand what's going on. And maybe we don't understand what his promises really mean for us. Because we only see half of the rainbow. The full rainbow is not revealed to us. But do you know what it says in Revelation chapter 4 and verse 3? It talks about the throne of God. And when John saw the throne of God, it says that around the throne of God was a rainbow. And when it says around the throne of God, that around means completely around on all sides. So in heaven, we will see the full rainbow. We will see the full picture. And it's a reassurance to us and to you, if you worry, not to worry. And when you see the rainbow... Remember that we only see half of it. The the fullness of God's promises will not be 
completely revealed to us until we see God in his glory in heaven. And then we will see the fullness of his outworking of everything and the fullness of how he works. And there's no start and no beginning there. See the rainbow we have? There's a start and the start and an end, rather. There's a start and an end. But the fullness of God's promises have no start and no end. They are complete. That's what faith is. Trusting when we don't see the complete picture, when we don't see the complete rainbow. Because God works all things for good to those who love him. So try not to worry if we do worry. Remember the promise God made to Noah that he would remember him as God will remember you. Faith in God sees the fullness of the rainbow and the fullness of his promises. So remember when you see a rainbow, we only see the half of it, we don't understand everything, but one day if we love God, we will see the fullness of the rainbow, the fullness of the promises, and the fullness of his glory in heaven. So may we say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from all evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Okay, if we can turn to the word of God, and we'll read there in the book of Paul's letters to the Ephesians, chapter 1, and we'll read from verse 15. Paul's letters to the Ephesians, Chapter 1, and we'll read at verse 15. This is God's word that is living and active. May we hear it, and may he bless it to us. The letter of Paul to the Ephesians, chapter 1, verse 15, and we'll read through into chapter 2 at the end of verse 10. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, 
far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at the work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. May the reading of God's word be blessed to us. A lot of people wear clever watches these days. And it'll tell you who's been phoning you or who's sending you a message or what they're saying in that message. But something else that these watches will do is that they'll count your steps. And most active people will be looking for a number of something around 10,000, I believe. But what's 10,000 steps? if none of these steps were made for any good. What is 10,000 steps if none of them meant any good? And maybe it shouldn't be about how many steps we count, but rather was there a worth to every step that we made in that day? So today, today if we were able to come here, we walked in order to get here. We took steps to get here. To sit where you're seated, we would have started somewhere, most likely our house. We had the mind to reach somewhere else, to come to church. And whatever your reasoning why you came, you came with a purpose, to hear the word of God, or to hear God speak to you. And whether, it's, whether we walk in our lives daily, we tend to walk with a direction, we walk with a purpose. Whether it's to fulfill a task, whether it's to meet someone, to go somewhere, to do something. And even sometimes we walk just to go for a walk. And that is our purpose, to enjoy the walk, 
But even then, when you go for a walk, you start somewhere and you have a direction in your head, even if it is subconsciously, to reach somewhere or to return to somewhere like your house. So our physical walking has a, has a starting point. Ideally, it'll have a direction of which we want to follow and it should have a, hopefully have a purpose in mind, whether we realize it or not. And Paul sets out for the church in Ephesus a walk, a walk of life, particularly a walk in faith. These words that he sets out here are to give them direction, to give them purpose, to remind them of the works of Christ in them, that Christ would direct them, that Christ would give them a purpose. And at the beginning of the letter here, we see in our passage at the beginning of chapter 2, he brings two walks before the people. We'll read, chapter, we'll read from chapter 2, verse 1. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked. That's our first walk. And then the second walk we can see at verse 10, at the end of the passage we read. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And you can see there that there is an old walk and a new walk. So with that thought in mind, we look at the two, the old walk and the new walk. What is the old walk? What does it mean to walk the old walk? Where does this old walk start? Is there a direction here? Is there a purpose to this old walk? Well, what does it say? Firstly, Paul says in verse 1, And you who are dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Fourth word in, very bluntly, what does he say? It's a dead walk. Dead in trespasses and sins. But you know what? That's where we all start. Whether we like it or not, that's where we start. We're born in sin. We're sinful by our very nature. And you and I cannot start anywhere else. This is where every Christian has had to start. We start in sin. But you know we have to see our sin and recognize that sin that is in us. And to put it bluntly before you today, your sin is essentially your death. And you must ask yourself as you sit here, do I see my sin? Do I see what sin means for me? Do I understand my sin? The Bible says the wages of sin is death. That death is your just punishment from God for any sin. And that punishment is an eternity in hell. Are you going to walk yourself there? Step by step. What worth then do your steps have? 
you know, I've got a wee small book that I keep handy, and I, I just write these wee notes in it. And one of the things I have written in it is, sin is our first handle to Christ. Just something I've seen, I wrote it down, I don't know who wrote it. Sin is our first handle to Christ. And there's truth in it, because without seeing our sin in our life, we will never reach out for that handle that is Christ. We'll never reach out for Christ if we do not see our sin. Because when we see our sin, we see our need. And if you're not grasping your need of Christ, you are definitely not understanding your sin right. It's either that or you're just blanking out the whole reality of God completely. Closing your eyes to sin and closing your eyes to any punishment that God would give you. We must all start in sin. But the thing is, will we continue in it? What direction does this old walk lead us in? Well, we, see, we can see in verse 2. What does it say? In which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at the work in the sons of disobedience. The course of the world and the prince of the air. The direction is that you follow two things. Course of the world and the prince of the power of the air. And the word follow is literally according to here. And you can imagine something of an instruction book that you accord yourself to follow. And the instruction book is titled The Course of the World. Written by the prince of the power of the air. This is what you follow in the old walk. But what is the course of the world? What does the world set out for men and women to follow? What does it mean when you take it to its roots? I mean, you can ask yourself, is it wealth? And you go, well, no, I've met many people that are happy without any wealth. They're happy with what they have. And you go, is it power or authority? And you go, no, there's many people who did not want any power, any authority, or any responsibility. The course of the world, you know, it seems to come down to being happy with what we have, being satisfied in ourselves, to be satisfied by who we have become, who we have made ourselves to be, what we think our life should be like, and reaching that goal, to satisfy myself by the world's standards, and to satisfy my existence by the world's thoughts. With no God and no Bible, because when we take these things into account, it robs us of any self-satisfaction that we have made. But this is what the prince of the power of the air will do for you. This is all he will do for you. The prince of the power of the air, the spirit, the devil, he will give you something to follow. He doesn't care what it is as long as it's away from the true God and the truth of him. This is the old walk's direction. Away from truth. 
And you can imagine a map of London. And you zoom right out of it. And you can see all this network of roads just exploding from the center. See, the devil will give you something to follow. And if Christ were at the center of London, the devil will work and give you things so that you don't reach him. He's going to put things in your way to satisfy your desires, to satisfy your passions. He doesn't care if you're going further away. He doesn't care if you're going round and round. He doesn't care if you're going back and forth. So long as you're not getting any closer to him. But even then, if you were to start getting closer, you see on the map, there's many other routes he can distract you by. He'll put many things in your way to make you turn away from Christ. He will try and deceive you and take you any other way. In fact, he might try and deceive you by telling you that he will take you there. And he might say, follow my voice. And whose voice actually sounds quite good. His voice sounds easy to us. But you know, if we follow that voice, he will lead us in roads that will miss Christ entirely. Following is only as good as the man that you follow. So if you think you are happy with your life, what are you following? Ask yourself, who's leading who? Am I leading myself? Or is the devil actually leading me? You see, true direction, it's very important because it tells you where you're going to end up. And the direction is for a purpose. And in a sense, the purpose isn't yours. The prince, it's the purpose of the prince of the power of the air. And his purpose is essentially to make you continue in your walk of death. His purpose is to maintain no change in you. That you still live in sin. Because you see, it's far easier to maintain something in the long run. You just keep topping it up. And we find it so easy to follow him, as we said, as he tops us up with these fleshly passions and desires that he sets before us. He is continuing or making a continuation in us to follow the ways of the world of where we started. This is his purpose, that you continue in your sin and that you don't come to Christ to deceive you and frustrate the workings of the gospel message. He sets before you something for you to follow, something for you to chase, but they're all poor satisfactions. He makes you think that you have a purpose, and these purposes often stem from I. Purposes in sin, purposes that are in essence chasing the wind. His aim is that you forget God, forget, remember yourself, remember your passions, as said in verse 3 there, by the passions of our flesh. Do what you want to do, do what you love, do 
do what your body tells you to do, be who you want to be. The course of the world is saying, be yourself, love yourself. Your identity is your decision. However way they wish to polish it up or make it sound loving and inclusive to men, it usually comes back to me and myself. You see, sin is a little word with only three letters, but the biggest is I. I don't know where that quote came from, but it's quite applicable. Sin is a little word with only three letters, but the biggest is I. It all comes back to me in the end. But what does it mean when we come to the end of the walk? The end of our life? What will you be left to say? All these things I chased after and followed. You'll realize then that they're exactly as the Bible says, like the wind. That you'll never catch and you'd always be chasing after. You'll have to admit that I was chasing the wind. I took every easy road that he led me on. I followed my passions. I followed my desires. I thought these things were things that gave me a purpose in my life. But now I see that they have none at all. And now nor do I. You'll say to yourself that you are fooled. You'll say that you followed the course of this world. And you'll realize then that it is just death. And maybe you'll ask yourself why I did not follow Christ. Even when I was told so often that I must. You, you must be born again. You see the old walk. It paints a good picture for us, doesn't it? We do what we like. We follow our passions. We do what we love. And we love to keep adding to the painting that it, the picture that it paints. We think it's going to be so good. But when it comes to the end of the painting, it's actually an ugly picture that is set before us. Death is ugly. And it's something that we cannot restore of ourselves to any beauty. And it'll be thrown away. Imagine if God were to throw you away. Does that not fill you with fear? You see, in this old walk, we have an image of a dead man walking. And what use is a dead man, even if he were to walk? To God, none at all. None at all. But this was originally intended to be written for men and women to recall what they once were. To recall what they once were, not what they are, the course of which they once walked, and not how they walk. Because there is another walk. There is a walk of hope. There is a walk that is new in Christ Jesus. So let us look at the new walk. What is the new walk? Where does this walk start? Well, what does Paul say? Let us look at verse 4. 
How does he start this new walk? But God. And this is always the vital change between each walk. That is always the new place where we must start. Though the devil maintained you, God, in a sense, must rip you to bits and rebuild you. And that's hard for us to admit. But when he does that, we admit then that it's nothing of myself. It must always be but God. But God. And if we start like this at the beginning and remember this as foundational, we are not blinded by anything that I can do or anything that I have done. You see, the focus has completely shifted from me to God. It's not about me at all. God gives me a new life. He who is, as Paul describes, of which we can read of in the rest of verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Alive together with Christ. Yes, I was dead. But when I seen that sin was my death, I reached out for that handle of Christ. Sin is our first handle to Christ. When we saw it, we reached out for that handle and we lay hold of him. But very quickly we find out that our strength is not enough to hold on to him. And when we find that we have let go of him, maybe then it's when we realize that he was holding you the whole time. And you question yourself and ask, why would he hold me when I should be as death to him? I have nothing to give. He's still holding me. I faithfully reached out to him. I had nothing and nowhere to go. And I can see now that he holds me out of his love. It is his love that holds me. And he will not let me go. And his loving grace will sustain me. And it is his grace that will save me. The new walk starts when everything of the old becomes worthless. When we realize the whole old walk is worthless and we reach out for Christ. He is the one who rebuilds us. And then he makes sure that he will maintain us as that new creation in this new walk that we can only say has started because of God. And the Christian always says it is only but God. And he becomes the one to give them a new direction in their life. 
to the new walk? What is its direction? Where does God lead you? Well, you have a totally new direction, away from death, but towards life in Christ Jesus. And the root of this direction is found in God's grace through Christ Jesus. Because if you look at verse 2, the old walk involved a following. It involved a longing after. It involved a chasing after. The wind that is never caught. But it doesn't say follow in the new walk. Verse 10, what does it say? For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We walk in them. Christ works primarily in us. And in fact, it also says that it is not of our own doing, it is a gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. God works first. That work is in you. The believer, in a sense, is not external to his work as a work that we follow after and and, and try and grasp, but we are a part of it. We are included in his work. We walk in his work. He who has done a good work in you. Jesus himself prayed in John 17 that his people, that they would be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they might be in us also. It is a walk in faith, and many times the direction of the old life would seem easier. And the direction of the old life would be clearer to us to follow. But this walk is based on faith in Christ. When we don't understand everything, when we don't see the full picture like the rainbow, we might only see half a promise, but it's still a promise. We don't see the fullness of the promise. We have to exercise faith in the promise, in Christ, that We trust in him when it is not easy, when it is not clear, when we don't have the strength to hold on to him, but trust that he will hold on to me. And Paul, in the following chapters of the book of Ephesians, goes on to speak of the direction of this walk. He sets out a guide for it and gives the reader a help in showing a direction of this new walk. He says in chapter 4 to urging the person to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility, gentleness, patience, bearing one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of spirit in a bond of peace. Chapter 5 verse 2, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. He goes on to say, walk as children of light. But he also says, look carefully then how you walk. The direction has changed. Like the image of the map that I set before you of London, and the devil distracted you by it, now the direction is to the centre, to Christ. 
but we are still in the world. The same prince of the power is there. The same fleshly passions are in us and the desires are there. The same death is there. But Paul's saying, look beyond these things. Look beyond these things and keep your eye on Christ. Direct your eyes to the one who died for you. See the glories that await you. See the one that you are raised up with. Find a new direction by reading his word. And in every path that you walk, every step that you take in this new walk, you will find a purpose. So what is the purpose of the new walk? Well, the old walk had its purpose rooted in the devil. And his empty promises. But the new walk is rooted in God. And his purposes and his promises that are trustworthy. Verse 10, it says that we are his workmanship. Imagine the greatest craftsman who can make wonderful things. And he might be the most renowned maker of whatever it is, goldsmith, silversmith, whatever it is, he might be the best of the best he, he has his own skill in what he makes. His creation would always be associated with him as the creator. It's his work. It's the works of this man. And while the works of man can be wonderful and admired, how much more will the workmanship of God be to us when we see it? His work will be regarded as the be- most beautiful sight we have ever seen and the most wondrous thing we'll ever behold. The craftsman would have his own way of doing it. He's got his own knack in doing it. He's got his own skill, his own, his own method. The way he knows how to create such an object, or whatever it is. But so does God. And his method and his way, well, it's through his son, Christ Jesus. This is his way. This also the Christian must remember. Like the object that was always associated with the craftsman, the Christian must always remember that people should see and admire the workmanship of God in us. As a Christian must also in himself see that work. And it's a work that God gifts and works through Christ Jesus. And all credit is his. All glory is God's. And the way that he creates you. And what's it for? It says in verse 10, for good works. His purpose, God's purpose, outworks itself in us. And it should be with good works, with good fruit. See, there's no death here at all. Good works for his glory. So what is this new walk's purpose? 
Well, we know it already. It's to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. We bring glory to God in our good works and we enjoy him forever. Well, part of that eternal enjoyment is seen in verse 6. We have raised up, raised us up and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He has raised us up to sit us in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus. And so lovingly accepting he is of the one who reaches out and grabs the handle at us, Christ Jesus, that you are privileged to sit with him. Why? Verse 7. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. There is blessing built upon blessing. You are saved by his grace. You are seated with his Son. And in the coming ages that will follow, then we will realize just how immeasurable are the riches of his grace. And in the Christian life, we may think things in our lives are immeasurable here. But there's going to be nothing compared to the unhindered, loving kindness of this God who is eager to give to his people for all eternity. I believe the grace and the glory of God will astound and astonish us. Though you were dead, he makes us alive. What else does it say? Well, Romans 8. It says that we know that for all who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. We can't touch on the purposes of God in the space that we have, the few minutes that we have left. But maybe one of the greatest things of this new walk is that there is always a purpose. Every step is a purpose, even when we don't know what the purpose is. And when my experience leaves me asking why, and asking God what is the purpose of this, even maybe today, we may not know in this life. But trust the workman and his workmanship that will be great and glorious because it says that he has prepared it all beforehand. It's all worked out. The fullness of the promise exists even when we don't see the fullness of it entirely. So what's your walk today? Is it the old walk or is it the new walk? Remember this, when you count your steps, ask yourself, did I walk them for God or for myself? Was every step I took today, was it for me or was it for Christ? And if we do this daily, then surely our walk of life in the end will be in Christ Jesus. So count your steps. Count your steps because you're not the only one counting. God's counting. But he is also accounting for every one that we take as well. May these thoughts be blessed to us. May we conclude by singing. In Psalm 26 of the Sing Psalms version, 
We'll find that on page 31. Psalm 26, 26 sing psalms, page 31. We'll sing from Vershmacht 7. Yeah, Vershmacht 7. I'll tell of all your awesome deeds, proclaiming loud your praise. Your glory fills your dwelling place. I love your house always. Sweet not away my soul, O Lord, with those who hate your way, nor take away my life with those who love to wound and slay. For their right hands are full of bribes, they plot iniquity. But I will lead a blameless life in mercy. Set me free. My feet will stand with confidence upon a level place and in the people's gathering. I'll praise the Lord of grace. We'll sing these verses to God's praise. I'll tell of your awesome, your awesome deeds. Stand. what you the hope that you set before us we pray that your word would be active and living in us and turning us aside from our evil ways turning us from the old walk towards the new walk that we would reach out for Christ Jesus and lay hold of him and that we would remember that you are one who holds us and keeps us 
that you are the one who will shower us with your eternal blessings through the works of Christ Jesus, that we hold faithfully to him through every step that we take in our life, whether we see the fullness of it or not. Lord, be with us as we part. Forgive us our sins, we pray. Bless your word to us. And all these things we ask in the name and power of Christ Jesus, our Saviour. Amen. Thank <laughs> you.